It was a perfect spring day in 1988. That is, if you're an Alaskan and your idea of perfect and spring includes six feet of snow in April. The sky was a stunning blue, the snow was blinding white, and the blood on the snow was the most brilliant, terrifying red I have ever seen. The blood that was pouring out of my two months pregnant wife. Naomi and I were standing at the foot of a glacier in the Alaska Range. We were three days into a week-long trip on snowshoes. We had planned it as a last adventure of just the two of us before parenthood. And it had been an idyllic trip. Snowshoes give you total freedom. You don't need a trail anywhere you want to go. We mostly followed animal tracks. Mink, fox, moose, our favorite otters. We'd spend a night in our cozy tent and continue wandering the next day. It was idyllic until out of nowhere she started bleeding at a rate that would be fatal if it didn't stop. Some of our frantic efforts to make the bleeding stop must have worked or maybe not. In any case, it mostly stopped. It wasn't very reassuring. While that was going on, my mind was racing, assessing our situation these were the days before cell phones and sat phones and spot trackers. No one was getting us out of there except ourselves. We had only day hiking gear with us. Our camp with the wall tent, the wood stove, sleeping bags, the food, all of that was several hours on our back trail to the west. Civilization, in the form of the highway where the truck was parked, was two days to the east. But we knew there was a remote lodge between us and the highway and a lot closer. If we could find the lodge, if there were people there, we could get some help. We talked it over, we studied the map for a few minutes and started moving. East. We'd barely begun moving, just a few minutes, when there was this thing, this big, white, fast, strange thing, was moving behind the spruce trees in front of us. And then this thing came out of the spruce trees and charged straight at us. If you've ever seen a dust devil, it looked like that but it was made of snow. It was a small white tornado. And it was whirling and churning and charging straight at us like it was personal. It was 50 yards away, 40 yards, 20, 10, five, and then gone. It just vanished like a dream when you wake up. We knew it wasn't a dream. We were pretty sure it was an omen. But an omen of what?
was it guidance, protection, go this way, it'll be okay? Was it warning, wrong way, bad move, you're going to die? Was it our unborn child saying goodbye? We looked at each other and started moving again. The snow was deep and rotten. We were sinking above our knees while wearing five-foot traditional snowshoes. It was probably the worst thing Naomi could have been doing, but we didn't have a lot of choice. I was breaking trail ahead of her now for hour after hour. We were dead reckoning through the woods, ducking under blowdowns, circling around alder patches. I kept the sun on my right shoulder, always heading east, east, east. After some really long hours, we broke out onto the river in sight of the lodge. There it was with no smoke coming out of the chimney. We clumped up on the porch. Nobody came out to greet us. We thought, let's go around the back. Maybe we can get in. Maybe there's a radio. We circled around, and there we found the owners of the lodge sitting on their snow machines. They had their hands on the starter cords for a trip out to the highway. In 30 more seconds, they would have been gone. Fast forward with me now. We're taking a jump here. After, after that blurry trip out to the road, after Naomi took the truck and disappeared south for medical help, after I trudged alone back out to our camp, packed everything up, and hauled both sleds out to the road, after the ultrasound, and they showed us that tiny little beating heart. Fast forward to a dark, endless November night of labor with a snowstorm raging outside the hospital. And we were inside watching the monitor, watching the jagged line on the monitor go flat. Return, go flat, return, go flat. Return, after the emergency C-section, when they pulled Kaya's body out into the room, like a little limp blue rag doll. And she disappeared into a huddle of heroic and desperate scrubs. And none of us was breathing. I heard a voice, come on baby, breathe. And she did, she did, and after all of that, we were home, the three of us now. We were alive, we were as safe as we're ever going to be. We were telling Kaya's godmother, Marsha, 
how the doctor said the umbilical cord had been wrapped around her neck, around and around and around her neck. And Marcia, who sees so much more of the unseen than the rest of us do, said, of course, from all the twirling. 